0: Welcome to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. And I'm
1: Jake Michaels. This
0: is a podcast about people who love tabletop games, interviewing other people who love tabletop games, about the tabletop games they love. <sighs>
1: if someone's listening to this on double speed...
0: <laughs> they're wrong to do so, they because whoop. I talk very quickly. This week, our guest is Jeff Cannata. Woo. Lover of cans. (laughs) Jeff is everywhere and does everything. You may know him from the extremely popular tech-based web talk show, The Totally Rad Show, once praised by Wired Magazine as the best weekly video podcast, period.
2: It was a long time ago. I had to, I had there to were, there were fewer of them then.
0: Whatever. Wired doesn't say things that can be retroactively. Um, Wrong. Take, take, no, no take backs, he's Wired. You may also know him from his many performances as different types of dads and law enforcement on popular TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Dad, dads or cops or cop dads. Cop dads. That's what I play
0: as a correspondent on several shows on the former network G4 and his podcast, DLC, The Video Game Podcast and Slash Filmcast, and most recently, he has become the DM for the interactive live RPG show, The Dungeon Run, on the social broadcasting platform, Caffeine. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you.
2: Also on YouTube and as an audio podcast, yeah.
0: Thank you. All the places, all the things. All the
2: places, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, where to even start? Okay, well, we should say what we're going to talk about.
2: Board games, I hope. I love I'm a lover of board games, so this fits perfectly.
0: We will talk about board games sure. and I'm very glad you are a lover of board games. We also end up talking more often than not about Dungeons, Dungeons and, Dragons and Dragons. Because yeah. every guest also <laughs> plays D D and that's all they want to talk about. Um but we're gonna talk about the idea of The Magic Circle, which was new to me, not as a concept, but a concept with a name. So we'll get to what the Magic Circle even is, but it is magic and it is a circle. (laughs) That's all we can tell you so far. We're also going to talk about one of my favorite games from the past couple years, Decrypto. Yeah, so good. (gasps) So excited. Uh, And then we'll talk about a couple games, Uh, one you recently played, one that's an all-time fave. Mm -hmm. So the all-time fave is Le Havre Mm -hmm. by Yui Rosenberg. the Very prolific and Everdale, mm-hmm. which is a fun little game, very yeah. cute worker placement. So that's what we'll get to. But first, how how'd you get your start doing all the cool stuff that you do?
2: Yeah, well, I, don't, I started out as a child. Uh, Come no, on. Uh, <laughs> I uh, uh, how far back to go? I when I was fourteen. I, uh, in, f- like, fifth grade or sixth grade, wherever you are in that age, I um, wrote a... I believe
0: that's seventh grade.
2: Seventh grade? Is it? Maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, somewhere around there, I uh, entered into a contest at school. We wrote short stories. We had to write them. There was assignment. We had to write them, and all of those short stories were entered into a contest, and I happened to win that contest. What? Yes. Yeah, like, the grand prize, like, the big, like, pan... County Prize. Do you anyway. have this
0: story on you? Can you read it?
2: <laughs> no, but it is a fantasy story. It's funny how, like, even back then I was, like, you know, wanting to make fantasy stories. You knew. Um, but, um, and they sent a reporter out to the house and to, like, do a, like, local kid makes good thing. <laughs> and my dad was like, hey, you know, you wrote the story. Maybe, maybe you're good at writing. Would you want to be a writer? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, what would you want to write if you wrote stuff? And I said, well, I would want to write about video games. And because I was reading a, a magazine at the time called Computer Gaming World. Yeah. I subscribed. There was, subscribed. A, there was yeah. a writer in that named Scorpia who I thought was cool. Uh, and I don't even know who she was, but it, she wrote under the nom de plume, Scorpia. <laughs> anyway, and um, so I was like, yeah, I want to write video game reviews. He's like, okay. And so when this reporter came to the house to like do this local kid makes a good story, they're like, my dad would say, hey, would your newspaper ever be. Open to having a kid review video games. And they're like, ah, so sweet. I don't know. Uh, write up a few samples and we'll see. And that led to like four years of me writing video game reviews for the newspaper. What? It was my what? first job. My first job what was. What
0: newspaper this, was this?
2: The Contra Costa Times. In oh, Northern yeah. California. I, I'm a subscriber. <laughs> yeah, <you're some> guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. New, we have to explain what newspapers are <laughs> yeah, to okay, the large yeah, portion yeah. of the listeners. Wait,
0: start, no, start from square one. Yeah. 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 Uh,
2: anyway, so that's my origin origin. What story. an, that's an like amazing father, so cool. too. Yeah. Like, <gasps> to. In, to like instigate that, it's so uh, with such force. That's great. You know, and this will only make sense to you, but uh, in that original story, I haven't told anybody this, by the way. In that original story, which is a fantasy story, the character goes to a place called Deep Reef, which <laughs> is where we're going in. Dungeon it's Run. Stayed Give with Give us the rundown,
0: Jake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the location of something dark and treacherous that we're going to see in future episodes. Of yeah, so
2: I put it in. I like put it in the world that we're making on Dungeon Run. That's CD so great. So, yeah, it's like a little throwback to my yeah. my own little origins. Yeah, you. It's oh, great so to cool.
1: go back into the the bin from of history and like pull some of those names out for sure. Yeah, I did
0: still you, do that. Did you remember that name, or did I you did. reread your story?
2: No, I haven't. Re- I, I haven't read the story in many, many, many years. I'm sure it is not. Not great, but uh, I did remember. Didn't I, so. I, I like. I remember the moment as a kid of coming up with fun fantasy names. And still, my favorite thing about being a DM is coming up with the names of stuff. You're quite mm. good at that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That's one of my tough things because, like, whenever I pepper in NPCs,
1: everybody's like, "Okay, what's your name?" I'm like, "God, fuck." Uh, Yo. <laughs> Walmalin. Like, oh, God, now I gotta commit to Wal-mal-in? that.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I spend. A disproportionate amount of time coming up with the names of people and things. Yeah, you have yeah. a lot of people ready. I see you looking at your notes.
1: And be like he has like a laundry list of yeah. people. He's got a phone book over Can there. Can
0: I have some examples of good? What? How do you make a good name for an NPC? It has to.
2: It has to, I think everybody has a different metric. I'm sure, but for me, it has to have like a rhythm to it. It has to mm. have. It has to sound good coming out of your mouth. You know. Um, you have to hit the syllables right, right? Yeah, yeah. like like there's a, a character that that has been in Dungeon Run already that is the mentor of one of our player characters, and his name is Hermel Fesh. I
0: just think Hermolfesh, right? Mm-hmm. Like
2: sounds like an sounds like, like a, a mentor. S- Star yes. Wars
0: character, a little bit, yeah, and yeah. is
2: memorable. Like I mean, Boba Fett. I think Star Wars is the prime example of character names that sound good. Mm. Very you know, true. They made it's like m- they made m- numbers m- sound Georgia? good. Yeah. Binx. Well, you picked the oh, yeah, one. Yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> you picked the one that doesn't really fit, but for you. You know, like Han Solo mm-hmm. sounds good. Darth you know, Maul, Jabba the Hut. Mm-hmm. You know that the they... Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, I
0: just love the prequels.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> But like I said, they made, they made letter and number combinations work. Like, right, we all yeah. know R2-D2. That yeah. flows so oh. nicely. C-3PO just sounds good coming out of your And you actually, now. in the books, I remember for a long time, they wrote out R2. Right. Like, A-R-T-O-O yeah. was how he was written. Yeah. And I always thought that was interesting mm. because I still would read it the same way.
0: R2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, those work because they don't sound like numbers no, first. They yeah. sound like
2: normal word sounds.
0: Yeah. C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So I'm
2: I, I'm I'm a sucker for that stuff, and you know, like I like puns and wordplay. Yeah, you do. I'm a, I'm a uh-oh. I'm a language lover, so I, I yeah, I, I, I get off on that stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I watched the very cool intro to episode one. Oh, cool. There's like a squid man sitting on a throne. Squid
2: <laughs> Technically, what? he's an illithid. You know what a mind, mind flayer is? Illithid. Yeah, illithid. Yeah, he's yeah. a mind flayer. I right, knew A then. fan of the dark yeah. ones. Yeah. He's our host. We have a we have an animatronic puppet. That hosts the show, kind of like the old Crypt Keeper from Tales of the Crypt, if you remember that show. Yeah,
0: that's insane. How did you get an animatronic puppet?
2: Uh, from the animatronic puppet district. Uh, <laughs> you know, down in... it's <laughs> over no, by Pasadena. Don't go there late at night. That's dangerous. They will solicit <laughs> you. Creepy. As, yeah, as hell.
0: Uh, do you remember the first game you ever GM'd?
2: Um, I don't. I I probably could narrow it down to the people that were there, but I don't remember exactly what game it was. I think the. First time I DM'd was probably because no one else was willing to do it, you know? And they knew I would do the work. You know? <laughs> That's how it how it tends to be. It's like th- everybody gets to show up, but one person has to prepare Yeah, and come up with homework. a
0: lot of great NPC names. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to know about this magic circle you've mentioned.
2: Well, this is not an idea that I I invented. In fact, it was... Uh, I wish I could remember the author of the book. This is from the 18-somethings. Um, but it is an idea that was introduced to me on a podcast I really enjoy called Ludology, which is a podcast formerly hosted by uh, Jeff Engelstein, who's a friend but also a very awesome board game designer. Uh, he's designed uh, a whole bunch of games that I'm, I'm sure you've played. Um, and... Uh, he, on an episode, they focused on this concept of the magic circle and it really st- stuck with me. The idea being that the magic circle is the name for uh, a, an idea, a concept that we all enter into when we agree to play.
0: Social contract.
2: Social contract.
0: You with way blood. to describe it.
2: Yes. Signed with <laughs> blood. Well, maybe you play differently than I do. Okay. She does. Uh, uh, but uh, we sit down to play, we all agree that we're going to play by the rules. And just that that agreement sets aside the normal rules of the world. Mm-hmm. So while you're in the magic circle, the normal things that happen in the world get paused. And we're in this place where we both agree that we're gonna try to win, or we both agree that we're going to cooperate to try to win, or we both agree, you know, that we're gonna try to get this basketball into this hoop, right? Magic circle exists in sports. It exists anytime that you anywhere agree- except politics. Well, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any no, rules there. we didn't there. have to go there. But the <laughs> the uh, the idea being that that's what's special about play is that we all agree that the for this to work, for us to have fun and do this endeavor called play, we all have to agree to a set of rules, and in doing so, we are actually creating something that relies on trust and relies and, and is a magical thing that sets aside the world's normal. Boundaries and lets us be in a place that we decide, and I find that really intoxicating. It's something that I talked to all the players of Dungeon Run uh, before we started doing the show that I, I I find sacred. Like it's a it's a really beautiful notion that when we sit down to play any board game, that you and I and all the players are now. We're trusting each other on a level that you don't normally do in life. we're, we're and we are agreeing to something tacitly but we are agreeing to something that is special and unique and i think that's what's so wonderful about sitting down on a table and playing a game is that you create this magic circle and you and you exist in it and it is different than the real world
0: so beautifully said <laughs> absolutely i mean i think that's what we all love about it question Answer. is it a violation of the magic circle to hold a grudge after a game is over, because of something that happened within the magic circle—a betrayal, perhaps—that you carry on.
2: Well, the the wonderful thing about the magic circle is that it isn't one thing. It it depends on your players and your friends and the and the the rules that you are all agreeing to tacitly. Like like if I play, um, um, oh god, what's the
0: Dungeons and Dragons?
2: <laughs> what's the what's the famous? Um, Oh, Diplomacy. If I play Diplomacy, right? If I play Diplomacy, part of the agreement that we're getting into is that it can get nasty. We're going to backstab each other. And maybe the last game of Diplomacy we played, I'm going to bring into this game of Diplomacy, and I'm going to remember how you backstabbed me and reneged on your deal and all that stuff. So each time we create a new Magic Circle, the, the rules can be a little different, I think, in general, holding grudges is not super positive, but
0: mm, sometimes shulks. that can be
2: fun. Sometimes that can be the fun. Sometimes playing a legacy game or you know playing a, a series of games of Risk, Risk Legacy, or even just regular Risk without it. But you bring the fact that last time you beat all my yeah. armies, so this time I'm going to take it to you. Well, I think that's it's almost be fun too. Is mm-hmm. it
1: almost like actually you kind of have two relationships with a person? Whereas like I would have a relationship with Becca at the table, like in terms of our relationship with Twilight Imperium and how much we really. Our antagonists, but then we're Except close friends in real life. I always trust
0: you. I always trust you. <laughs> but then when we go
1: back into that circle and play again, we're going to take that context from the last circle. So right. we're really returning to the same kind of one. You're right. The, the rules have changed a little bit because right. there's other people there or right. the game might be different. But, yeah, that's interesting. It's like a it's also a relationship change in terms of how you treat those people. Someone yes. you might dislike in real life might be teamed up with you on your side for a team. Yes. And you're like, okay,
0: here we go. That's how cool before. is that? And mm-hmm. like, how? Yeah, that is and
2: great. The idea that we are a team in this game, where the result of it matters absolutely zero. Yeah, it's but, not important. F- but we'll create a completely different dynamic between us. We will work with each other, which we wouldn't have outside of this circle. Right.
0: Yes. So to bring it back to politics, <laughs> if we get Mitch McConnell and Elizabeth Warren to play a board game, mm, I like it. Do we have an opportunity to kill Mitch McConnell <laughs> no, I, wait, no. in the magic circle? Yeah, yeah. In the context of the magic circle, that's where I was going. I
2: think. I think if I had to say what board game they are playing right now, mm. the first one that comes to my head isn't Diplomacy, it's Cash and Guns. <laughs> oh, oh, well you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just the, a game yeah. of chicken.
0: Grab and go. Yeah. Oh. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Well, For sure but when you don't care about anything chicken is a lot <laughs> easier for your side i will say yeah, that I
1: that specific example is going to be a tough one to uh circle the square but i will say that yeah i think it can bring people together in some way i don't think it solves problems but it lets people relate right sure. it's getting into that that's circle you see a person in a different way
0: absolutely well i think you can also see people's truest nature
2: oftentimes yeah yeah
0: and that's in a good become, and bad way i've become a better person through playing games and realizing who I was in a game a couple years ago versus who I am in a game now. And my goals have changed because I realized that winning isn't everything. Winning can make your friends mad at you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love board games. I love them. And I'm always trying to win. My joy as to the experience of playing that game bears very little... Relevance to how whether I win or lose, it, yeah. it is. I'm I'm there to win because that's the goal. That's the agreement we all made when we sat down. Is that we're all going to try to win. But yeah. you know, that's not where the fun lies for me. Yeah, I feel like insecurities drop within the circle. Generally speaking,
1: that's not always globally true, but people tend to, like you said, you see their honest self. It's because they're not on guard as much because they feel like, oh, we're just playing this game that doesn't have as much of a consequence, and our relationships have changed because of it, and we're not thinking about all that outside stuff.
2: Absolutely. And I'm sure you guys have had the experience. I certainly have of uh, somebody isn't in the same circle as everybody else. Mm. You know, one yes. person sitting at the table doesn't hasn't processed all the rules that we're all playing by the the tacit agreement that we all made, and it it can be uncomfortable and weird. And you're like, oh, that person is on their phone, <laughs> is on their phone, <laughs> yeah. or whatever oh. it is, or yeah. you know, is is just treating the experience in a different way than everybody else agreed to. And it isn't something that's explicit, right? It's something that we came to, we all felt, and that person somehow didn't. And that's when you really feel that that circle is not completely closed. Yes,
0: I wanted to put a label on that that you just named with a cell phone, which is presence, the issue of presence. And Mm -hmm. that's a big part of the agreement. And part of why I think we love to play games is because well, right now there's a computer in front of me that I keep looking at instead of looking at you. But if we were playing a board game, I couldn't do
2: that. Right, right. Yeah.
0: it's an issue of respect and giving your full time and your full presence to the other people, which is so beautiful and not done enough.
2: I think you're right, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what, what I love about analog entertainment is that mm-hmm. it, it it's slower, it's more present, and, and there are those distractions and temptations, but, um, you know, it's it's different than the other. There's
1: something also about the tactile nature of it.
2: Uh, yes. Like,
1: I don't know why. Maybe it's our monkey brains a little bit, but like, putting pieces together oh, yeah. and moving stuff around and seeing what you have visually in that way. I mean, one of my people.
2: favorite things in the world to do is punch out a new board game. <laughs> oh, I don't know punch. why. I, there's, that should be a laborious, not fun thing to do, yeah. but I like putting them in little baggies yeah, yeah. and figuring Absolutely. out how it's going to fit in the box. <laughs> oh, one
0: yeah. of the greatest pleasures in life.
2: And some of the best Christmas gifts I've ever gotten were uh, box organizers, those companies yes. that sell those amazing box organizers. Yes. It's like... A, I don't know, that shouldn't be a good gift, but no, it's amazing. I would say a, a, a game gets played more in my house if
1: it's well-boxed. Mm, well-boxed. Like oh,
0: the beauty of a well-boxed game. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You know, I think the punching thing, one of my favorite movies is Amelie, this French film. Oh, I know it. And uh, there's a scene where she talks about simple pleasures and lists her favorite pleasures, and one of them is digging her fingers in, into a giant barrel of coffee beans yeah. or a different type of beans, sure. And just that image of that's that's what it is. That's what punching out cardboard is. <laughs>
1: that's such a that's such a great example too. Because when you say that, I can feel the sense memory in my hand of what mm-hmm. that feels like. That's such yeah. a distinct thing.
0: Ooh, Ooh yes. Yeah, just true. do an ASMR
2: episode. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, next. Just pouring episode. beans over the <laughs> microphone.
0: Bonus ep. Uh, speaking of the temptation. Of other things. <laughs> a quick word. And we'll be right back with more Jeff Kanata. Welcome back to Victory Points. We're here with Jeff Kanata from all the things on the internet. <laughs> Most recently, The Dungeon Run on Caffeine and YouTube and all the places. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some games we like. Because okay. we like this is a show about board games. Yeah. So we should talk about board games. Okay. Okay. So, I want to talk about Decrypto. Yes. All right. if I may, I would like to describe how this game is played for people who have never played. This is a game in which there's two teams and each team has four words in front of them that only their team can see. Then players, one on either team, will rotate, being the clue giver for their team. They're gonna grab a old floppy disk card, which has a code on it, and that code is a series of three numbers that correspond to three out of those four words their team is looking at. So it'll say four three one two one three three one four area code. <laughs> uh, anyway, then the clue giver is gonna give three code words or code oh. phrases aloud to everyone, even the other team will hear them right. associated to the. Th- three of the four words in front of them, in the order that their secret code is written in. And uh, the goal is uh, both teams are going to try and guess what three numbers are on that card they drew, that the clue giver drew, and the first team to either successfully guess the opponent's code twice, or the first team to will w- win, if you do that, or uh, the first team that mistakenly guesses their own team own team's codes wrong twice will lose yeah so the the thing
2: that's amazing about this game is that it evolves as you play it with the same team at least that's been my experience the meta right because you start realizing that the trick to playing this game is creating clues that clue your team into something because they have more information than the opposite team but throw the other team off the scent yes. mm-hmm. so you start having these very layered clues where you're purposely saying words that can have two meanings and you're hoping your team picks up on the correct meaning and the other team picks up on the wrong meaning and it is if you play with the same group of people over the course of a few hours and you play the game a few times it gets real good because yeah. you start realizing what they pick up on, and you go, "Okay, I'm going to purposely mess up. We're going to throw in a complete non sequitur just to screw with them, so that they don't think that we're on the you know, on the." You right guys can to, plan that.
1: Well, no, but, you're, you, you have the, to do, do it by, singly, right? Just
2: yes. like code names. You're right, hoping right. your team picks up on oh it, but your team knows because we've been playing a while yeah. that that's kind of what we've been doing. Got so that they're like, "Okay, I see what you're. It is awesome. It's you want to so know my fun.
0: favorite little cheat?" Uh, a little hack. I will do a complete song lyric where only one of the words in the song lyric corresponds to one of my team's words, and my team. Hopefully, somebody figures out which word I was. It's awesome. <laughs> on.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so fun to try to guess what the other team is doing too, and your team can talk and be like, "I think they're talking about this or that," but no, and then you're trying to guess the words before you even revealed them. It, it I. Love this game. I think it is super simple, and you can play it on a, a very, you know, simple level. But as you learn it, as you keep playing it, it's simple to learn. But it, the strategy becomes more and more complex as you develop this wonderful relationship with your team and the other team, and you kind of get what's happening. Ah, oh, man. We had so much fun. Yeah, because you like that. have. It's funny
0: that you, that you said you have had a night where you played a couple times. Uh, I think the first time I played it, maybe 20 minutes. Every other time since then, three hours <laughs> right? of yeah. laboriously coming up. Like one person goes in the other room, shut up, don't talk to me. I have to yeah. think. I need this to that level. But then but then the other team will guess that right. because they know. Because you have to, for each word, you have to think of four different meanings. <laughs> and then never, <laughs> ever, once, like yeah. overlap meaning of a yeah. word. Or else the other team will be able to guess because they're trying want, to. You
2: want to have the word Add up to the word that's wrong because you want to screw the other team. So you're like, yes, that word can lead them down the wrong path to the wrong word. So that's good. But now I have, but now I have to make sure my team doesn't go down that path too. Uh,
1: yeah. It's It's also so yeah.
2: they know they're being deceived, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the then the triple
1: blind is yeah. like, oh wait, <laughs> right. they're on. Guard was for it this. too easy? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. maybe
0: that's how they get you because. You overestimate them, but don't overestimate people in this yeah. game. That's what I found.
2: I, I find that the same types of things uh, emerge when you play Code Names a lot with the same group of people too. You sort of un- understand a shorthand, and you have these strategies that happen. But I think this game is that on a completely ho- uh, new level. I mm-hmm. think it, it, it really the complexity because of of how you can steal other teams' points and stuff. It, it's really clever.
0: I would say. Decrypto is a game for the group of gamers that have played Code Names a thousand times. Yeah, and need the next level. Yeah, yeah,
2: for I sure. It's a great way to describe it. How mm-hmm. many
1: people can play
0: it? Infinite.
2: It's true. It uh, just in like fact, the bigger the names, group, the more fun it can sure. be. In fact, I, I haven't played it with small groups, but I would suspect that small groups is not as fun as like five, six people per team. Mm-hmm. I think that gonna be way fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> has this game created any arguments ever? <sighs> In your experience, uh, I
2: mean, just good natured ones of I can't believe you pulled that. You know, I, I wish I could remember a specific swerve. Uh, I can't think of any right now that happened, but um, you know, I can't believe you. You know, they'll say confidently, "We we know that word," and then they just know it's like,
0: ah, oh, can't believe you did that. Yeah.
2: That kind of you know, good natured, right,
0: right, argument. right. Getting mad at your own team that they didn't see your very yes circuitous logic. Yes, yes. Um, I played this over Christmas with family my husband's family, uh, and David was on the opposite team, my husband, and I had his two brothers, and he's the baby, so I had his two brothers on my team, and we were getting them all right, and high-fiving, and we all got it, and then on my husband's team was like three cousins that weren't as big of gamers, oh. <laughs> and they, like, weren't going next level with it, and he was yeah. getting so frustrated, <laughs> Uh, it was adorable but we had, had It's
2: was adorable be, from your perspective Yeah,
1: yeah. it was agonizing. Yeah, yeah, but
0: every time his He's brothers would be like you. you're going Yeah, absolutely. Sure. We game a lot. Uh but his brothers would be like we crush you David. You're getting destroyed. You suck. <laughs> because, you know, I don't I'm not a brother that but I assume that's what uh,
1: you tell him that at home.
0: Yeah, I do. And he handles it well for me. But coming from his brothers, it was personal. So that, that was a very funny memory because then, uh, from then on, whenever we get one right, they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, shh, shh, shh like, Tiny, five, go, can... Tiny five. Yeah.
2: I played this at a birthday party, um, and it was extraordinarily fun. I see how- Good story. <laughs> I, I was going to say who, but then it's like name dropping, and I don't want to do that, so to... Oh, yeah. gotcha. Oh,
1: uh,
0: name drop it later. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Okay. Uh,
1: I last... see how it develops as the evening goes on, too, because not only the context of the games that you guys have played, but the in-jokes that happened that night and like what you've created in the magic circle that evening. I, it's such a great game that just
2: builds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. And like the the way you play this game the fifth time is- it, I. I find, very different than what you play. Like sure. Yeah. Ugh, I'm eager to get this now. Well. It's good.
0: The magic circle abides. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Le Havre.
2: Yeah, I think maybe my favorite board game.
0: Can you describe how it's played?
2: Sure. La Havre is a... Work- oh, no,
0: I, there's no... You don't pronounce the R? Uh,
2: it's French, oh. so you can... <laughs> it's, it's there. You, you can you hear you it. La Le Havre. Ugh. Okay. Le Havre. Le Havre. But I do But I don't do that very well. Um... So it is a worker placement game, a, a game of resource management and building things. You, it, it, it takes place on the port town of La Havre in France. And you there's a ship that moves down uh, a, a track that tells you what turn it is. And it's remarkably simple. There's very few things you can do on your turn. You can collect resources or you can build a building. And I love games where I can just create my little... Diorama world in front of me. Sure. I love the games where I'm like
0: tableau building. I'm building my stuff
2: <laughs> and I'm building buildings and I got. I'm sorry, I dropped my
0: phone. Oh jeez. Uh, uh,
2: and uh, and I you know I I love that stuff that like a personal game board and you can build your thing. So this game allows for some of that. You you build these buildings that give special powers. Other people can use your buildings or you can use your buildings so they open up new worker placement locations. And there's just. A ton of resources to get because it's a game <laughs> about a shipping town that has a bunch of resources. So you can Love turn resources, resources into better resources. They yes. like they, you flip over the tiles and they become better, like clay becomes brick and stuff Ooh. like that. Um, and you build better stuff, you build giant ships and then you have to feed your people. So there's stuff, it's there's a like, quintessential
1: Euro game, like it, yes. it's kind of like. The, the one like kind of I mean, it's older. It's like 2008.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a pretty old game by th- those standards. But I find it to be in, comp- in comparison to a lot of worker placement games. Really easy to teach. Yeah. It's like you, d- you don't have that many things you can do on your turn and everything's very clearly laid out. And there's only a f- there's only a few turns in the entire game. So it's clear, and and the acquisition of stuff is really <laughs> pleasurable. You talk about tactile; you have yeah. these piles of materials. Yeah, you that get you that collect. dopamine when you get that lumber. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so good.
0: Only uh, a few turns. Can you do many, many actions within a single turn?
2: No, but it, 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 like in all Uvi Rosenberg games, it, it's like this ticking clock of like your people need to get fed in a couple of turns. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You got to build your engine, but also worry about feeding your people. Um, so I don't know. I, I really, really love that game. It's super simple to teach, but it there's lots of different things you can do, lots of levels of complexity.
1: Those best worker, the, the best worker placements games are the ones where to really just go to the place, do the thing. Because yeah. that's such a great gateway for people because the complexity can rise as the board gets bigger. Yeah. But the idea is still very easy to
2: understand. The best thing, the, the best way for me to describe why I love Lahav is that on my turn, there are 20 things that I w- would love to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there are a lot of worker placement games, it's like, it's all about reducing the number of things you can and being like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't do anything. Oh, oh, you blocked me. You blocked me. Mwah, the Hob mwah. is like, no, you want to do all of it and you can, but you can only do one thing. Yeah. So it's, ah. it's, it feels like this abundance of, of riches of being like, oh, there's so much fish sitting there. I can take all that fish. That'd be great. <laughs> lot like, of people fish. need to eat. Oh, but you know what? Oh my gosh, that's an awesome building and I can build it right now. Oh, that'd be so cool too. It, it is just like all these cool things. Instead of feeling limited, it yeah. feels like you've got you've got this. You just want to do everything
0: explosive. Yeah. Now we should mention: Yui Rosenberg has made all of the games. Um, let's say some huge ones: Babel, that was two thousand. Um, let's see what's at Agricola. Agricola which classic w- was yeah. discussed when Anna Cecilia came on this podcast. You guys talk about Agricola. Yeah. Caverna.
2: Caverna is I, maybe my number two game
0: of oh, all time. Wow. Yeah.
2: It's like Caverna and Lahav. I, I love him. I love his his designs. But Caverna, Caverna is like Agricola with quests, which Ooh. is amazing. It, it's so good.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And we. I just want to – he's just like – even if you haven't played these games, you've heard of these games because – He's a big deal. The thing he touches, a uh, turn guy. to gold, a feast for Odin is another one, um, and those are like the really, really well-known ones. That uh, to mention, patchwork is also a pretty well-known one. But he's everywhere. Very prolific. Yeah. As a designer, so you are a fan mm-hmm. of worker placement at, and I Euro am. style. Yes. So you value mechanics over theme sometimes.
2: Oh uh, no, I, I I would say there are definitely games I love uh, for their. Th- uh, I guess that is a fair statement. I do prefer systems mm-hmm. and learning systems over Ameritrash or, you know, I, I'm i not I'm not going to – the thing that's going to make me buy a game isn't that I get to live through the story of a zombie invasion. The thing that's going to get me to buy a game is that that zombie invasion is done in a way that yeah. I've never played before.
0: Yeah. You know
2: what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess that is accurate to say that I'm down for mechanics more. It's
0: just you- – you picture the mechanics of an engine and just little cogs whirring in your brain. Right, I get it. Yeah, yeah totally. What an amazing game! Uh, I'm very excited to play because worker placement gets done a lot, but when it's done well, it's done really well.
2: Yeah, it's a. I think it's um, a fantastic mechanic, and it, it, it like having those decisions and being able to block other people and all that stuff is really fun.
0: Awesome. Uh, The other game that I wanted to talk a little bit about, because you've played it recently, and it looks beautiful. It was released last year, 2018, Everdell, mm-hmm. and Starling Games put this out, and this is a really, also worker placement, yeah. but it's a three-dimensional board on a beautiful little tree with wood, uh, pieces, Yeah, little meeples that look like squirrels and other <laughs> forest critters. Yeah, and, and there's like little
2: berry meeples that are adorable and yeah. look like real berries.
0: Yeah, so uh, do you wanna explain a little more? Sure, uh,
2: this is a game I kick-started and uh, have enjoyed I don't know if I'd put it in my top whatever, but it, it's, it's solid, it's fun, and it's beautiful. The art is stunning. And as you said, this three-dimensional board, completely unnecessary. Like, the three-dimensionality <laughs> of it isn't <laughs> necessary. But well it's said. cool. It looks great on the it table. It does look cool. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, uh, anthropomorphized critters that, um, again, you're building houses and structures and things. And then those houses and structures have, on the card, have a uh, a character. So there's characters and then there's places. And they have a character that you get for free if you build that thing. But you can also just hire uh, other characters with berries and things. So it's a fun matching up of, oh, if I build this thing, I have this this character in my hand. I can play him automatically. Oh, if I build this thing, I don't have that character. So maybe I should wait and not build this thing yet until I try to get that character. That kind of fun um, um, efficiency. Yeah, grabbing the bonuses kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing about the art of this game, which is, as I said, beautiful but all of the places have a picture of the character in them that is associated with them and all of the characters have the place that they're associated with in the background of oh. their That's art it's brilliant it's oh. it's really well done when the yeah. art
0: comes together it really can yeah. make or break something for me personally i mean you know i love what we were just talking about about the differences between euro games and ameritrash sort of games I like it in the middle. Yeah. I like yeah. you know you've got to have the art that really makes me feel like I'm there and that it creates a world around that mechanic. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I love the design of this both procedurally and physically, too. Like, you, it didn't have to be 3D, as you right. said, right? It'd probably be more technically efficient to not be. Right. Small but you, box. Have, you have to build this tree. And then, of course, the tree serves. The trunk
2: is where the deck of cards goes. Right. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and there's cards that rest on the second level of yeah. the tree, which is cool. Yeah.
1: That's so good. I mean, yeah. like, we've knocked over decks before, and this just sits there so nicely.
0: It sure does. Now... I believe that you'd only need to get to four points to win this game. Strategy wise, would you say it makes it's one of those where because it's pretty quick, you do want to go for the quicker cash now instead of the engine, the card in front of you that will allow you to get things for free later on?
2: Uh, I don't know. I, th- this game it's it's really wild. There's these this notion of seasons. And you, what
0: is that? We live in Los Angeles. I know, right?
2: There's pilot season and there's <laughs> earthquake season. Um, the, the, uh, Don't
0: forget fire season.
2: Fire season for sure. Uh, the uh, the the wild thing about this game, the, the hardest thing to wrap my head around when I was playing Everdell is that you do something to trigger the turning of seasons individually, so you can I can still be in spring and you can be in summer. Oh, which is weird. That's
0: not. How seasons work.
2: I know. We don't it's know. We don't weird. know. We're
0: just guessing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Thematically, it's it's a little odd. But uh, in the game, it's it's interesting because if I hold back and I do more actions on my turn, you might actually go into the next season. And so we may be... Is there a benefit for getting there first? Y- you get more workers when you move to another season. You get new to do new things. Uh, so there's a lot of strategy in deciding like when I'm going to go to the next season, when I'm going to stop. And it's like basically like passing your turn and going to the next season. So that's really interesting. And there's not a lot to do at first, but you're setting yourself up because certain seasons trigger certain cards. You're like, well, I want to get those cards out before I get to those seasons. So there's a lot of, there's a there's a lot of depth to it. It's a it's a pretty interesting game and I haven't won yet. So I'm the worst <laughs> person to tell you. Oh, okay.
0: So yeah. now I see why it's not in the favorites list. See so you said that earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I it crush doesn't... it laham.
1: <laughs> That's a really interesting mechanic to have different players in different phases of the
2: game. Yeah, yeah. It's, I like that. It's a little tricky to wrap your head around it. When I was reading the rules I was like, is that right? Could, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because do I just can, do I just sit around and wait for everybody to get to my season? No, you keep playing. Yeah, you, you're you're on your in own. that season. You're yeah. playing. So that's just the context so, of your rules. Yeah. Uh,
0: what triggers game end? Someone getting to the end of their final season. Yeah, everybody
2: getting to the last season. So or everyone all the cards can complete running out, their own. What's that?
0: So if someone's racing ahead to winter, they don't end the game prematurely for everybody still in spring. Right. Oh. Oh.
2: Right. They end you still themselves. keep playing. They end, they end it for themselves, yeah. But it, it tends to work out, not that somebody's sitting around for 20 minutes waiting for everybody, everybody to finish, because as you move through the seasons, there's more to do. Mm-hmm. So it tends to be the kind of thing where you catch up and everybody... And it's all about how many workers you have. That's how many actions you get, as with every worker placement game. Sure. So you, you farther into the seasons, you get more workers, and things tend to balance, balance out. Balance out. Sure. But it's an interesting idea that I'd never seen. Yeah, that's. Before. I don't think I've heard of anything like that before?
1: Yeah. Which is great. Anytime you can put in a new mechanic that befuddles us, it's like,
0: <laughs> so oh, yeah, great. Let's yeah. try that. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so it's not—it's not a Yui Rosenberg.
2: No, I shouldn't know the name of the designer. I don't uh, know it offhand.
0: Oh, I just meant like, where do you rank it? Honest review.
2: I mean, I think it's a lovely game. I, I do. I—I I, I wouldn't say it's a must-play or a must-have. It is a very attractive game that I think makes a beautiful. Uh, eye-catching thing on your table because of how it's three-dimensional and it's so pretty. So many
1: cards, too. There's yeah. lots of options. It's
2: really cool. I, I dig it. It's not... I mean, there's like, you know, 20 worker placement games I'd probably put ahead of it, but it's <laughs> it's
0: solid. Got, got it. Yeah, if right you now. love forests and critters, then this is the worker placement. For sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and shout-out to James A. Wilson, who was the designer on this one. Cool. All right. I want to hop back run on over, if you will, to Dungeon Run. Yay! Yeah, we've yes. got more time. I want to talk about your show. Thank you. Uh so kinda of give give me the elevator pitch of <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, it's Dunge it's Dungeons and Dragons, a live play Dungeons and Dragons show, uh, with an extraordinary cast of brilliant actors and um a animatronic mind flayer as the host. And the thing that we do differently than everybody else, I think, is the audience interaction is a huge part of the show. Right. There's uh, there's ways for the for the people watching live in the chat to communicate with the players. We introduced actually a thematic element in the game. The, the very first thing the players did when they got together was they went to this abandoned dragon's lair and they found this item that was trapped in crystal. And when they broke it out of the crystal, it was this amulet that actually allows them to communicate to the people watching the stream, we call them the Watchers of the Time stream.
0: What? So they
2: can actually ask it questions and the chat can a- answer it because it's all in real time on Caffeine.
0: I want to be a Watcher of the Time stream. Yeah, that sounds you so can. cool. Tune
2: in Wednesday night, <gasps> 6 p.m. Pacific time, Caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon, right? It is. <laughs> uh, and, it, 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 and it's really cool. And then there's like digital items that they can also purchase for the players if they so choose uh, that uh, grant the players um, advantage on roles or... There's these deck of cards, two decks, in fact, uh, Force of Good and Force of Evil cards. And those are actually, I started writing them, but they have completely been taken over by the audience. The audience (laughs) writes the cards and submits them. Um, They're all user submitted at this point. And those are crazy. We call it chaos magic. So oh. that when they flip over a force of good or a force of evil, that thing happens in the game world to the players. Sometimes it grants them boons or uh, abilities that they can do in combat. Sometimes we had a uh, hundred bunnies just pop out of the amulet in the <laughs> oh, middle of yes. a store one time. Uh, it's chaos magic. So there's lots of wacky fun stuff. It also an NPC's life was literally saved by a viewer interaction. I mean, it's, it's really pretty cool and has opened up uh, the show. I think in a way that I did not anticipate even as the, the DM. Um, and I think it, it really separates us, but, but more than that, it's a great story with a bunch of really wonderful characters and, uh, a big adventure tale that we're trying to tell. And I think doing a good job of, i but you are. say so myself.
0: That's incredible. Thanks. Well, full disclosure, Jake Michaels, your wife Katie is a player.
2: She is. She
1: plays a gnome, I should say, she plays a beach gnome bard named Lily Dumblestack.
0: What's she, a beach gnome?
2: Exactly. Well, we invented it for the show. <laughs> uh, it is wonderful. It is. Uh, she comes from an island called Bingle, which is basically a resort town, a <laughs> fantasy resort town. So it's like when adventurers go and, and fight dragons and stuff, they need to relax. They go to Bingle, absolutely, and they get uh, they get wonderful drinks and entertainment, and they re- relax and have a good time. I'm wonderfully biased, of course, but like I love everything
1: about that backstory that I've heard so far yeah. from her, and I'm just like so engaged in it because she's not a super experienced Dungeons and Dragons player, and. I'm so in love with what she did. You both
2: did, actually, because you guys crafted a lot of that backstory together. Yeah, but she's she has taken it and run with it in a way that I... I, I Katie is amazing, and and he, you know, the I'm fact that aware, she hasn't yeah. played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons, first of all, doesn't show, but <laughs> second of all, I think is a, actually a huge benefit for the show because she approaches problems in such a novel, interesting way, and um, she has become the heart of the show. It, it is beautiful to see she... The character she created, Lily Dumblestuck, is this <laughs> wonderful, uh happy, positive bard who sings. She writes songs for the show. And two of the other characters like evidently are having some sort of love triangle now <laughs> about her. It's it's really wonderful oh. that it's all developing organically like that. But yeah, and and this week, actually, we are going to Bingle. So that we the the,
0: oh the my God. team gonna... is
2: on a ship right now. We have this incredible. Uh, that's another thing I didn't t- even mention about the show is that there's we have these Hollywood prop masters who are building <gasps> sets for us. What? And we have this incredible model of a full three deck ship. Uh this pirate ship that we're on called the Tardy Plunder. And uh, <laughs> they're on their way to Bingle right now. So tonight, Will it be on time though? Likely not. <laughs> not with the Tardy Plunder. But uh yeah, tonight we arrive on Bingle, but Bingle is a lot different than what Lily remembers. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be funny fun.
0: Uh. I'm due for a bangle. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too.
1: I have to. I want to go back to the forces of good and forces of evil because DMing is a, a fair to say it's a hard thing. DMing on a live stream is an intense thing. <laughs> DMing on a live stream where the audience can throw a curveball in it at their will. Yeah, is nuts. <laughs> and I think it takes a lot of bravery to do that and you've handled it amazingly well. I, I mean well, when, you. when you when you say what what is happening on the show is that the audience can throw you, those into you it's like, how does that possibly work? And then you watch a show and it works wonderfully because you guys have the idea of acceptance of the idea. Everybody's involved in it and they say, absolutely this is happening. No one questions that the bunnies came out. Everybody's like okay, how do we deal with it? Right. There's never a pause. Right. There's always this is reality and I love The magic circle that you've created because they all accept that every time it's inspiring to watch
2: well it's a credit to the players and uh it it is the idea that we we came to this show very much agreeing that we're not playing a game so much as we're telling a story and the game the game is there as a way to make that story happen to facilitate the story and so i look at the i mean i look at it as a as a group improvisation exercise we're all telling the story together right that's what DD is yes and those things are just new offers new 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 ideas that are being offered like okay now there's bunnies 100 bunnies shot out that's that's not something that that you go well, that sucks you that's a that's a, 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 an opportunity to make something magical happen and cool and different and something nobody nobody walked into the stream today thinking we're gonna have to deal with 100 bunnies, but now we all are, and what does that mean? Yeah. So it, it, it opens the show up in ways that I think are interesting.
0: May I posit that you could just let the bunnies live? Did you let the bunnies live?
2: Uh, They were magical bunnies that only appeared for a, a short time and they popped mm. out of existence, but there was a mm. lot of protecting of the bunnies. Uh, one of the characters, <laughs> there was 100 of them, and one of the characters started throwing them out of the shop, they were in the shop at the time, throwing them out of the shop, and as he was doing that, another character was naming them. <laughs> You're fluffy. You're adorable. Whatever. She did a better job than I, but uh, yes, it was wonderful.
0: Oh, wow.
1: It's an acceptance of the bad things, too, in a way that's so positive. I remember, I think it was Lily was struck with something where she had to attack three people next to her yeah. and she did the spell Vicious Mockery and insulted all of her friends who she just kind of only met a short time ago yeah. <laughs> and had to do that. Oh, it was a, that, uh, that's,
0: a bad role on that spell?
1: No, great. Sometimes she hurt her friends. Uh, oh, Vicious Mockery to, is everyone you say within, an insult yeah, yeah. and then they
2: take psychic damage from how
1: painful
0: right. it is. So she yeah. also hit her friends in addition to the three enemies.
2: No, no, no. This was a card that forced her to attack her friends. Right. This is a force oh. of evil that came oh. out that said you have to attack your friends oh, no! and she's a Bard, and so this is another example of Katie maybe not being tethered to, you know, established dogma of, mm. of d d where she can look at that card and she goes, well, anybody else would say I'd take my dagger out and stab my friends and you take, you know, mm-hmm. 12 points of damage, whatever it is. Um, And that's one way that could, it could have gone, and that would have been a bummer, but it wasn't as interesting as what she did, which she said, well, I have this spell called Vicious, vicious Mockery. it'd <laughs> wastes a it great spell. Wouldn't it be yeah. more interesting <laughs> if I just spew this Series of profanities at my uh, and insults at the team. Absolutely. And it was this, again, not taken as a game. In a game, you go, Oh, I have to do X number of damage. I will do that damage. In a story, you go, I'm forced to do something painful to my friends. This is what my character would consider to be a painful thing that she would do to her friends. And that's what I think is so special about this group of players is that they all think about the world like that. They're all role-playing. They often don't do the thing that's most advantageous, but they do the thing that makes the most sense for who their character is. Absolutely. And it, it like, I can't even begin to express how grateful I am for this group and how proud I am of the thing we're making because of that.
0: It sounds like such an incredible thing.
2: It is. I mean, I, I am not one to be uh, boastful, or, <laughs> or, you know. I, but honestly, I, I really am not. I, I tend to downplay the things I'm involved with. This show, I think, is the best thing I've ever done. That's wonderful.
0: That is... Professionally. I mean, I have very... two kids. They're
2: great. <laughs> right, but, right,
1: right, right.
0: but, like, well, I honestly... that coming from you is a huge statement. And I I'm do. sure that would mean a lot to the players. I'm sure you tell them because you're not one to hold back your thoughts <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah. But no, it's really a wonderful believe it. compliment. Yeah.
2: And it, 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 it is it is a testament to them. It's a testament to the, to the crew as well. I mean, we haven't... The, the show is shot like a television show. A lot of d d shows are shot like live streams, which is great. And I watch many of them. They're fantastic. Our show, we wanted to try to make it look like a TV show. And I, th- I think that team has pulled that off in an amazing way. And um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. Did Every that you- come
0: about as... Seeing what was out there in the field and saying, "Okay, we have to step up our game somehow." And how are we going to do that? Is that how a lot of these elements came about? Of shooting it in the very cinematic style, having Hollywood production designers, having the interactive elements that are so unusual to specifically this show.
2: I don't know if it was a reaction to the the other shows out there. I mean, I think you know, Critical Role is phenomenal, and uh, you know, kudos to all those folks. There, yeah. I watch. I. I love, uh, and there are many, many others. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Adventure Zone and and Acquisitions Inc. and There's there's the list goes on and on. There's great, great, great stuff. So it wasn't like we were compete. Felt like we were competing or had to do certain things in response to that. But I know that Alex Albrecht, who created the show, we've been. T- I mean, he and I did the Totally Rad Show back in the day, and we met playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's how we met. Oh. um and then I have DM'd for him in the past, and. Uh, we for years before live streaming Dungeons and Dragons was a thing we talked we actually pitched the idea of doing a Dungeons and Dragons show and there were we talked for a long time about how we would want to do it and i think this is like his dream of if you had the money how would you do it and this is the way he always wanted it to be done like like a television show with awesome sets and props you know done with audience interaction but in a way that you know, the audience talks to the puppet, right? The puppet hosts the show and he's in chat the whole time <laughs> interacting with the audience. So the audience has this conduit. So they're not bothering me, the, the DM. I get fed that information from the puppet, the character of Lord Araban, this this mind flayer. So there's a lot of really novel concepts that Alex came up with and we worked through. And so I, I don't think it necessarily was like, we have to be different than anybody else, but this was like, like how we all, we wanted to do this kind of show. There's a great performance
1: choice that you guys make too in that with your audience interaction, which uh, is supposed to be a very heavy concept of that show, you guys actually don't like, technically, as the players or performers, engage with chat too much. You guys just acknowledge what they've done and thank them for it and then keep in the story. So the rhythm yeah. of the show keeps
2: going. We don't even see chat. I know. and That's I th- what the that's what the character of Lord Airbound the puppet, is for. It, yeah, he he he's your ambassador. With, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He interacts with chat and he talks to them so they have a constant interaction with the show and then, I wear an earpiece and Lord Araban talks to me in my ear and says the amulet, which is the the audience uh, thinks this or wants this. So he, he edits that stuff and tells me the stuff that's most important from the chat, so I'm not constantly bombarded with it or distracted on my yeah, like we were talking about before.
1: That can slow it all down. It's so yeah. great that it's so smooth and it's seamless. Honestly, I didn't I didn't know you wore an earpiece for a while. I thought that you, they were sending you messages and you had to read them a lot. And I was like, how does he keep
2: going? And they're like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They have an earpiece in my ear, and they'll be like, you know, the audience says this or the audience says that. And then sometimes I just don't incorporate that, and sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. So it's I it's left up to me whether or not that stuff plays, but. It's gen. Generally speaking, it's an opportunity, and I go, "Oh, awesome!" The audience has a great idea that yes. we didn't think
0: of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the beautiful thing about what interactive media has given us is the ability to have a billion minds. Well, you know, thousands of minds yeah. collaborating <laughs> on an idea simultaneously. Just yeah. such a cool thing. I mean, six minds can come up with amazing stuff. <laughs> right. But two thousand. Sure. Yeah. Blows the roof off. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff Kanata, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. To speak to you. People can watch The Dungeon Run Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Mm-hmm. Also Any- on
2: YouTube or as an audio podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Anything else you want to shout out?
2: Uh, DLC is at 5 x 5tv slash DLC and slash filmcast is at slashfilmcast.com. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T.
0: Ooh, exactly the way it should be.
2: Yeah, I it, think so.
1: And if you want to see the new talkback show that's oh. about the Dungeon Run, it's on Tuesday nights on Caffeine.tv slash the Dungeon Run at 6 o'clock right
2: now. Yeah, we did that last night for the first time. It was a blast. And I think they're going to be on YouTube as well, right? Yes,
1: they yeah. are, as a matter of fact. And you were wonderful. It's it's a great insight into things. And I was watching chat very actively in that. And they were all like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun to talk about the world we're creating and all the... It was good to get behind the screen. I was very excited about the moment that you got up out of your chair and ran to go get the map. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, what's going on? This is great.
0: (laughs) And how wonderfully convenient to serve up a summary um, the night before the show every Mm -hmm. week. Exactly. So make sure you tune in this week to the Dungeon Run. Thanks so much for listening to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. That's Jake Michaels. Hi. Bye. (laughs) And we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Make sure that you subscribe and like and share and rate. This podcast. Okay.
1: Bye. See ya.